Dear friends, this is Evan Papp from Empathy Media Lab's podcast on labor, political economy, arts, and culture. Based within the Washington, D.C. Beltway, you can find us at empathymedialab.com. We are a proud member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network, which is broadcasting working people's voices 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Check out our show and all the shows elevating the voice of working people throughout the world at laborradionetwork.org. It's part of our labor series that stretches from Pittsburgh to Chicago through Cleveland, Detroit, and Benton Harbor. I met with labor journalist Mike Elk in his hometown of Pittsburgh. Mike is founder of PaydayReport.com, which is a labor publication based in Pittsburgh that is elevating a national conversation about workers. In part one, Mike talks about Pittsburgh labor history as we visit the sites of the 1892 Battle of Homestead, the Henry K. Frick Car Museum, and Carnegie Mellon University. I hope you enjoy. On July 6, 1892, about 300 Pinkertons landed right over there. They killed seven strikers here that day. You're standing on sacred ground here for the labor movement in Western PA. We were founded through these very bloody struggles, and the Battle of Homestead is something he has always had a big impact on. It. The Pinkertons were a group of strike breakers that were hired to go around and bust up strikes throughout Appalachia. They were notorious thugs, and they were coming kick out the union that had surrounded the factory and was preventing strike breakers from getting in. Uh, they were met by about 10,000 townspeople and throughout the day they had a pitched battle in which uh, three uh, strike-breaking Pinkertons were killed and seven strikers. They used to have a, a three-year contract with U.S. Steel. It was the early version of the Steelworkers Union before they merged into a bunch of different ones. Uh, and then Frick, who was heading up the, the works at the time, said that he was going to lock them out and he was no longer going to negotiate with the union. And so what happened is that the townspeople ran the Pinkertons off who came here and invaded that day. And then they occupied the town for about a month and then the National Guard got sent in to help bring in strike breakers. And the National Guard occupied the town for three months while they helped strike breakers break the union. And it wouldn't be till the, um, the 1930s that the union would be able to come back here. So that battle was important. And the sad part is so many workers lost their lives that day. So many workers took risks to force the Pinkertons into surrendering. That if it wasn't for the power of the state coming in with the national militia, the strike wouldn't have been broken. But that's ultimately what happened here. This river starts down in West Virginia. It flows uphill. This is the Mongahela. It's love of my life. I, I went to high school up the road and when I was in junior high, we would sit here and just stare at the river and fantasize and you'd see the coal barges going by and you think about all the places you can go because you, you can go anywhere in Pittsburgh. You can take this down to the Ohio River and you can go all the way down to the Gulf of Mississippi, connect with the Mississippi. So, you know, the French and the British fought this huge battle here in the 1750s over control of Pittsburgh for that reason. I mean, we're at the crossroads of the Midwest, the East Coast and Appalachia here. You can see the smoke plumes over there, Braddock. And really, this is what's still poisoning the town. We still have this one operational steelworks, combined steelworks of a couple facilities down there. Pittsburgh has the worst air quality of any city on the East Coast. A lot of days, it's the worst air quality of anywhere. It's not that many jobs left. We're talking maybe 2,000 total in steel in this part of the valley. And uh, they still, uh, they want those jobs. You've had a very ossified, stale, male, pale uh, union leadership here. 
uh, and they they're caught in the old ways they don't see the new ways but it's a region that you know is in an identity crisis you have this big tech boom here you have this big creative sector boom here uh, but you know you still have some of the old school labor leaders that want to hold on to those fossil fuel jobs so you look at a region like this you look at how many more jobs we could create if we had massive public investment we wouldn't need to worry about those kind of jobs we could just create other jobs there's a cultural resentment there's a class resentment but when you come here you remember what this town's about i mean we can do anything We have this deep, deep history here uh, that I think gets erased uh, in a lot of the national discussion. You know, they, they go out to some diner in the middle of Trump country and they find, you know, somebody to say something and they're half hour outside of here and they forget that, you know, there's cosmopolitan, vibrant places in the middle of the Rust Belt that makes all these cities that way. Um, and, you know, it was organized labor and it was immigrant working class power that, that did it. You know, and that's how we're going to bring it back, these kind of places, is through labor and immigrant working class power. Now the man that fights for honor, none can blame him. May lock a tent wherever he may roam. And no son of his will ever live to shame him. Whilst liberty and honor... This was one of the robber barons of steel, and uh, you know, you kill a bunch of miners and strikers, you get to live in a place like that. And people come and they visit your house and act like you were some type of great guy <laughs> when you were just a butcher who cracked and busted a union for 40 years in this city. The museum for the people that were killed is much smaller. <laughs> Money talks. Money talks. See, they even got a fucking museum to his cars. <laughs> That's when you know you're really rich. All they got is a couple of cheap plaques down there commemorating those seven guys he killed. But man, he's got a fucking museum to his cars. Quite a contrast to the Homestead Strike Museum here. I mean, you can really get away with anything and even build a whole museum to the cars you owned if you have enough money. And Henry Clay Frick proves that. I mean, this guy was a butcher. Fancier ones over here. But we can't keep a full-time museum open to commemorate all the workers he killed. But here, you can go look at all his cars for free anytime you want. Ain't that America? <laughs> Where you can kill a bunch of workers and people will come look at your cars. Ow! Oh, fuck. Can't get in that way. Oh, fuck. Man, really feel like I know a barrica better now that I'm in this rich guy's car. I mean, this is what you get when you're that rich, is that people can come take photos in your old cars. What's the point?
this old money is still running this town because they left behind all their money when they died. Carnegie felt so much guilt, he left behind most of his money. Frick did too. So, you know, the big boom in the art scene you're seeing here in Pittsburgh. You know, Pittsburgh has the highest philanthropic investment in the arts per capita of any city in the U.S. That's all driven by their dead money. So, I mean, they're still running this town. <laughs> They've been dead a long time, but oof. Look at the monuments they built to themselves. So this is Carnegie, Carnegie Mellon University. It's uh, Carnegie's big tribute to himself. Uh, Mellon also played a role, both big funders of it. Mellon being the banker helped finance a lot of Carnegie's steel growth and Carnegie being you know, the big steel baron. Uh, as you can see, a very nice institution they've set up. It's now one of the world's leaders in artificial intelligence. So this was built 1895, three years after the Homestead strike. Imagine how much it must have felt for all the strikers who had to come by and see these big libraries with the names of the guys who shot at their buddies. But that's how we know labor history in this country. It's told by the victors. Not the workers. And the public will reward them for the victory they won. And the man that was for one can claim So much of our history of workers is forgotten. But the capitalists who have money to leave behind institutions like this, they can rewrite their history and over and over again as these saints. If you like what you hear, hit the like button, leave a review, and subscribe to hear future episodes. You can follow the conversation on Twitter using the hashtag PowerStrugglePodcast. And you can find us at EmpathyMediaLab.com and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Patreon at Empathy Media Lab. Stay well, everyone, and educate yourself, organize, and mobilize to fight the power and create a brighter future.